The Texas Rangers are reigning World Series champions, but they're not satisfied with just one. On today's show, bringing down why this is the start of a long, long run of winning for the Texas Rangers and a few Rangers already taking home some hardware. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on to the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Paddock, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, covering this team for 10 seasons, including all five as the founder and host of Locked On Rangers. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Paddock. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Now, before we get into the start of a very long Rangers winning window. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Now, the Texas Rangers, like I said, and will continue to say for the foreseeable future, are the reigning World Series champions. They did it in year one ahead of schedule, year one of Bruce Bochy, year one of Chris Young being the head man in charge, and year one of Jacob deGrom. But the Rangers are not satisfied with just one. They are going to be going for a long, long time. Evan Carter, after winning it all, immediately his message was, job's not done rangers we're gonna you know this is the first of many we're gonna keep on winning and which i I love was very sweet and heartfelt even though that one was incredible and it meant probably a lot more to rangers fans especially the long-suffering ones than than young evan carter knew but i love that mentality and i kind of wanted to take that into today's show of this team it's not just a one year out of nowhere fluky run in even if it is and they turn into the kansas city royals and immediately go in the crapper afterwards I don't particularly care all that much because winning it all and winning one championship and winning it in the way that they did was so incredibly satisfying. But the thing that surprised me so much that they did it this year is because it was ahead of schedule. It was with all of these different injury issues with, you know, missing time from Max Scherzer, missing time from uh, Nathan Eovaldi, missing time from Adolis Garcia and all these different all-stars and and Jacob deGrom. They got six starts out of him and, and they still won the whole dang thing. You kidding me? It's absolutely insane. But the thing that makes me so confident that this is the start of a long, successful run of winning for the Texas Rangers outside of the confidence they get from just winning the first one is that this lineup is going to look like this for years to come. This was the backbone of this team. The reason why they were so incredibly good is because the starting lineup just hit. Everybody hit, no matter who you plugged in there, whether they were starting every day or starting, you know, just in place of injuries, no matter who it was that they plugged in there, they came in and they absolutely hit. Ezekiel Duran coming in for an injured Corey Seager. He hit Robbie Grossman stepping up and playing in left field and DHing. He hit down the back half when it mattered. Travis Jankowski playing really well and hitting in the first half. He did that as well. Leo Tavares, Adolis Garcia, Mitch Garver when he needed to step in. Josh Young. I mean, everybody in this lineup hit. And they are all going to be here for a long, long time. 
outside of Mitch Garver. We'll, we'll see if he comes back. We don't know quite yet if the Rangers are extending him a qualifying offer. At this point, he is a free agent. I'll get into the, more of that talk a little bit on tomorrow's show or later on in the week, depending on when that news drops. But let's look at this lineup player by player of how long these guys are actually tenured. These are the shortest tenured of the everyday you know, core pieces of line. These are the, the guys who are going to be here the least amount of time. And that is for another three seasons guaranteed. Well, unless the Rangers trade them or cut them or whatever <laughs> unforeseen thing happens. These guys are here through 2026. Jonah Heim, who's 28. Nathaniel Lowe, who is also 28. And Adolis Garcia, who is 30. Three more years of those guys. And they are just now, well, Nathaniel Lowe is arbitration eligible this year. But this is the first year those other two guys are arbitration eligible. And I'm sure they'll make decent money, not anything crazy. They're not going to make quite Seeger or even Simeon money this year. But those guys are here for three more years. And those are the, the short tenured ones. That's incredible. That is such a difficult thing to do. And it is why everyone thought that the Braves were such a model organization. When you go and look at their multi-year, uh, their multi-year payroll on uh, Spotrac, and you see all these different guys that are locked up for the long term. Matt Olson is is there for at least another five seasons. Same with Austin Riley, Ronald Cunha Jr. Um, Sean Murphy is there for a long, long time. Ozzy Albies is there for another at least four seasons, almost definitely. Michael Harris has got a long-term deal on there as well. I mean. Those hitters are locked up for a long time under contract. And the same thing is true for the Rangers. Let's look at, at the year after that. Guys who are here for maybe only another four years. That's Leo Tavares, who's 25 years old. And coming off a season where he was exceptional for long stretches of time. I mean, the first half, he was he was sensational. He was nearly all-star worthy. I mean, he really was in that first half. I feel like I was taking crazy pills and saying he was really honestly having a better first half than than Julio than Julio Rodriguez. And I thought that he was maybe a more deserving all-star in the first half than Julio because he had an 8-12 OPS in that first half, 10 home runs in 76 games, as well as 15 doubles in two triples, hit 295, uh, just on base of 339 as your number nine hitter while playing really good defense in center field. That guy's here for at least another four years. And he's only really had two full big league seasons under his belt. He's 25, which means he's probably going to be getting a whole, whole lot better. Or even if he doesn't, that's still a really solid season. A 2.7 baseball reference for a season. That's really, really solid. I feel like it's really underappreciated and how a lot of people are already talking about, okay, well, the Rangers already have uh, Evan Carter and White Langford, so just ship Leo Tavares off for, for spare parts, whatever you can get for him. And Guys like that are so incredibly hard to develop, and it's why this Rangers team did so incredibly well. Now, let's, let's look at guys who are, who are under contract through 2028. That's another five seasons. You have Josh Young, who's 26. You have Ezekiel Duran, who's 25, who was a key part on this team. They do not make the playoffs without what he did in Corey Seager's stead. Josh Smith, who's 26. And Marcus Simeon, who's also here for another half decade. I know he's 33. And I don't think he's going to age badly. I think he's going to age continually very well. And those last couple of games in the World Series really gave me some hope because it looked like for most of these playoffs, he was just kind of worn down. Maybe it was just that these 
playoff pitchers are very good. And they were able to exploit his weaknesses very, very well. But I was thinking, you know, towards through most of the stretch of the playoffs, I was like, okay, maybe playing 162 every single day is, is not what you really need to be doing, Marcus. He's going to be 33 next season. You know, he's getting up there a little bit, still performing very, very well. I mean, led position players in, in baseball reference war in the American League with 7.4. He was outstanding this year. And he's here for another five seasons. That's amazing. That's sensational. And then you look at the longest tenured guys of this this lineup that are probably going to be here for the entirety of this contract. Evan Carter, who's here through 2029. Now he's 21 years old. And if White Langford comes up early in this year, he's also here through 2029. And he's also 21 years old for another like nine days. He's He's about a year older than Evan Carter, which I always tend to forget because they're both so insanely young. Um, but yeah, you look at this lineup and how many of these guys are here for years and years and years and years to come. It's incredibly encouraging. It is incredibly difficult to do. And nobody on this roster was really playing that far above their heads in a way that you look at what they did this year and think, nah, there's no way they can repeat that. Now, maybe Corey Seager isn't going to have a 1,000 OPS for every single season for the rest of his contract. That maybe seems like a bit too high a bar to clear. But he's still going to be incredibly good for years to come. Maybe Marcus Simeon isn't going to be a 7.5 war player every single year for the rest of his five years here. But he's probably going to be at least a 5-6 war player for several more years. And that's exceptional. We all know that Adoles Garcia is no longer a flash in the pan. He's going to be 31 next year. He's still very much in his prime, still has many more great years to come. This lineup is going to be incredibly good for a long, long time. And oh, by the way, there's still a few more guys on here that I think could get even better and make this lineup even better next year than it was this year. Coming up, we'll look a little bit at the pitchers, what the staff will look like next year, and why the prospects make me think this future is going to just keep on getting even brighter for the Texas Rangers, right after this word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. It is peak time for all kinds of different seasons. I think college basketball is starting today. You've got the NFL that's running. I mean, the Cowboys, if you wanted to bet on them uh, to hurt your failings um, or bet on the opposing team so that it, when they lose, it doesn't hurt as badly. Or if you want to bet on the Dallas Mavericks or the Dallas Stars, things in DFW sports are going incredibly well. So get in on the action. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Shout out to the Everydayers for making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every single day on tomorrow's show. I'll be having, actually maybe later on in the week, depending on what happens tonight, uh, On later on this week, I will have a special guest, Morgan Price, the OG co-host of Locked On Rangers, will be joining me to talk about her experience enjoying the world champion, world champion Texas Rangers baseball team. Now, in terms of guys in this lineup who could have a little bit better of a season, I mean, I feel like there there was a a big 
big room for improvement for Nathaniel Lowe. He didn't have his best offensive season. He still ends up with a 360 on base and a 775 OPS, 17 home runs, and 38 doubles. There's a lot of doubles from this team, including 40 from Marcus Simeon and 42 from Corey Seager in 119 games, which is nuts. But I think the guy with the most room for offensive improvement next year, as opposed to this year, is Josh Young. I mean, he's still so young. He's going to be 26 next year. And what we saw in the first half was absolutely sensational. He was, you know, the first two months he was rookie of the month. And it looks like he was, it looked like he was going to run away with the award and just go absolutely nuts and win rookie of the year. I mean, in April and March, he had an 824 OPS. And then in May, he just went to another level, hit 318 with a 357 on base, slugged 561, a 917 OPS, six home, run, home runs for him in that month, also six home runs in the first couple of months. Um, in June, he also had five home runs in that month, but the batting average and the on base percentage dropped way down in July. It wasn't nearly as good of a month of him either, but he was still the starting all star for the American League in his rookie season. Then in August, he had a great six games before sustaining that injury. When he came back, he just looked nothing like his old self in August. In those six games, he had a pair of homers and a 1,048 OPS. But again, it was six games and 22 plate appearances before sustaining that thumb injury by freaking Jorge Soler and his 109-mile-an-hour line drive to break Joshua Young's thumb. But it did not matter. He came back. He was a stud in the playoffs, and he looked incredible. I think he's got a huge huge offensive ceiling the defense was sensational even though for some reason he wasn't a gold glove finalist i still don't understand that very disrespectful but like i said there's so many young guys in this lineup that have room for improvement i mean simeon i think that's about what kind of a season you're hoping for for the rest of the way or at least the next couple of years for adolis i mean we saw some very very hot stretches he ends with an 836 ops i think that could be even higher next year mitch garver well I don't know if he's going to be back next year, but we also saw an insane first half from Ezekiel Duran, and we'll see where he fits into this lineup or if the Rangers end up trading him. I mean, who knows, but there's a lot of guys with a lot higher ceilings. I don't think that we're going to see a 1,058 OPS from Evan Carter over the full season next year. I'm not going to say it doesn't happen, but I'm just saying it's not particularly likely that he's going to um, finish up with an OPS like that, especially if he's facing a whole lot of lefties, that's probably going to drag those numbers a little bit back down. But still, this lineup is still, for the most part, very, very young and definitely all in their primes and definitely with with room for improvement next year of sustaining incredible first halves in the second halves because a lot of those guys who didn't do as well in the second half, especially Jonah Heim falling off in the second half, most of that was, was due to injuries. But this lineup is just so good. And we'll keep getting better, hopefully, next season. And even if it doesn't, who cares? Texas Rangers are World Series champions. Now, let, let's look at this rotation. The rotation is not nearly as locked down for the long term as this starting lineup is. You've got guys who are here for this next year. We now know that Andrew Keeney, who exercised his player option, he's going to take the $13 million player option and come back to the World Series champion Texas Rangers and try and do it again next year. Max Scherzer opted in to his player option when the Rangers traded for him, so he is under contract next season. And then... Nate Eovaldi is definitely under contract for this coming season and could be next year. So 
for those who are locked up through just this year, Scherzer and Heaney. Nate Eovaldi has a vesting option if he pitches 156 innings in 2024. If it was a combined 300 innings in 2023 and 24, he did 144 innings this year, so he needs 156 next year. And then John Gray is also still under contract for this year and next year. Dane Dunning is under contract through 2026, and Jacob deGrom is under contract through 2027. And possibly, if he throws a whole lot of innings in the next couple of years, I don't see that as a realistic possibility. But if that all that happens, he has a $20 million club option in 2028. So the rotation, not quite as locked down for the long term. There are some prospects on the way that could add to that. We'll, we'll see what that looks like. But at this point, I think this is what I would go with with the rotation next year if the Rangers assign absolutely nobody, which, again, I don't think that's going to be the case. You have an opening day starter of Nathan Evaldi, then Max Scherzer, John Gray, Andrew Heaney, Dane Dunning, Cody Bradford, and then sometime in August is about the tar- target date for Jacob deGrom. Obviously, I think they would like very much to bring back Jordan Montgomery. I think that is going to be a priority. I'll probably talk more in depth about that later on. I think that outside of Shohei Otani, which I'm not even going to get into just yet. And imagine this lineup, you had Shohei Otani to it, like, good God, that would be deeply unfair. Um, but this rotation is, that's solid. That's a solid rotation. You would like a little bit more depth because the Rangers had so much depth at the beginning of this season. And they are a lot of older guys who do have some injury concerns. I mean, Ivaldi, we saw those, those flare up. Scherzer's getting another year older. I mean, Gray was healthy for most of the year until the very end. Heaney was healthy all year, which was kind of a marvel, honestly. Dane Dunning is consistent and healthy. And Cody Bradford, still very young. I think he's going to continue to be pretty durable. But this the starting rotation is definitely good enough to compete again next year. And we've seen the bullpen look significantly more improved. We'll, we'll see what the Rangers do in terms of free agency signings and things like that. And there also could be some help from prospects along the way to augment this rotation. Um, but right now, I mean, that's six starters that I feel fairly confident about of giving any of them 20 to 25 starts this year. And then we'll see what DeGrom looks like when he comes back. I'm of in the boat where I'm fully confident that once he comes back, he's going to just look like Jacob DeGrom because that's been the pattern with him. When he's on the field, when he's healthy, he's incredible. It's just keeping him on there the last couple of years has been a bit of a bugaboo. And if they can just do that, then then just then just do that and have an ungodly number one ace and then your postseason hero in Nate Eovaldi. And then also Max Scherzer's there, also John Gray's there, also Heaney and Dunning and Bradford are there, who all contributed very nicely in this playoff run. So, again, this team is by no means an overwhelming favorite 120-win juggernaut set up for next year. But they are by no means going to be anywhere near the 500 mark, barring some very unfortunate culmination of injuries. But even if that happens, who gives a crap? because the Texas Rangers are reigning World Series champion. Coming up, we're going to look at some of the prospects that could help along this run and why the farm system is still in such a great place despite the Rangers making some big old trades at the midseason that helped them win the World Series. Right after this, right from our sponsors. Shout out to the editors making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. Later on in this week, I'll be going over my 10 favorite moments from this playoff run. 
It is going to be another fun week of just reliving the Texas Rangers are your World Series champions. Now, this farm system, there is a lot of hoopla and nonsense and uh, upragery of uh, some of those are words. Um, and if not, then they're all words now about the Rangers going too far all in. Of, ugh, you're trading for this old guy in Max Scherzer. I can't believe you gave up uh, Ronald Cunha Jr.'s brother. He's going to be just as good as him. Well, he's not, but... Um, that's fine, even if he is, because the Rangers won the World Series. And oh my gosh, you gave up, you know, TK Roby and and Thomas Jacy and John King. I mean, three guys that are going to be absolute stud for the St. Louis Cardinals for years to come. Just for a couple of months of Jordan Montgomery and Chris Stratton. Well, the Chris Stratton part was he participated, he helped sometimes, but Jordan Montgomery. I'm having a hard time thinking of a more impactful midseason trade in Texas Rangers franchise history. The guy was just an absolute legend. And even if he signed somewhere else in free agency, forever beloved Texas Ranger Jordan Montgomery. What a two months. What a playoff run. I mean, just just those starts against just those three outings, two starts and, and one game seven appearance against the Astros. Just sensational. Absolutely sensational. Not to mention his a playoff opener dominant start against those Tampa Bay Rays. Now his world series start, not as good, not as best, still six solid innings there. And again, they don't get to that world series without Jordan Montgomery. And I have no doubt in my mind that if it did go to a game set game six, then Jordan Montgomery would have absolutely shoved in that second start against the Arizona Diamondbacks. But it doesn't matter because the Rangers, despite trading all those guys away, they still have an incredibly deep farm system. Grant and I talked about it last week about why the Rangers decided to spend big in free agency was because, I mean, they had a very deep farm system going back to the last couple of years. It, it took a while to rebuild it, but back in you know 2012 to 2016-ish, basically, the Rangers were a top five, top five farm system nearly every single year. And in those years, the Rangers had more guys in that farm system with the ceiling of an impact talent, a multi-time all-star. Guys like Norm Mazzara, guys like Joey Gallo, like Lewis Brinson, like Jorge Alfaro, like even Nick Williams as well. Those guys had incredibly high ceilings. Now, they didn't really pan out. Only Joey Gallo was a multi-time all-star. And I still, to this day, will, will never understand what happened with Norma's heart. But that is neither here nor there. The Rangers' farm system was very strong because of its depth the last couple of years. But you looked up and down that system for since basically 2020, and there weren't a whole lot of guys in there who you thought, that guy, it may not work out, but if it does work out and he puts it all together, that guy is an absolute star. Now, I maintained for years, basically since the Rangers drafted him, that Josh Young could be an all-star, could be an absolute stud for years and years to come. He is already an all-star, an all-star starter in his first year and a World Series champion and a legend for the Texas Rangers forever. But he could still get a whole lot better. And that's an impact talent. But that's just one. Oh, you also have Evan Carter, who is most definitely an impact talent. But there are a lot of guys who were just depth pieces guys like well they weren't necessarily you know farmhands but like Jonah Heim like Adolis Garcia like Nathaniel Lowe at the time back then you thought those guys could be pretty solid everyday contributors not maybe stars 
that that the Rangers thought they would be, that they turned into, all of them stars. But you thought, that's the kind of guy you need on your team. Ezekiel Duran, exactly the type of guy that you need on your team. A one to maybe two war player, but he plays a million positions, and he's if you have an injury and you need to plug him in there for two weeks or three weeks or a month, he's solid. Same with Josh Smith. And the same could definitely be said for Leo Tavares, who is, you know, just below that star status, but still a very good everyday player. And so the Rangers said, okay, well, if we can't develop those guys, let's go buy them. And they did, and that worked out. But now where the Rangers farm system is, there's quite a few guys in this system that are still pros- still have prospect status, still have rookie eligibility, that if things work out, they could be absolute stars, multi-time all-stars, p- perennial all-stars, just franchise player type of ceiling. Now, I don't know if all of them are going to live up to it. Some of them are still pretty darn far away. But Evan Carter... It's really starting to look like that in his, what, 40 major league games that he's played so far. Wyatt Langford has played, what, two-ish, two and a half, maybe, months of minor league baseball and had one of the greatest post-draft minor league debuts that we have seen in decades, if not ever. And he is right there knocking on the door of the major leagues and his ceiling might be even higher than Evan Carter's. It's... It's neck and neck. It's pretty close. Um, and then you have the guy who's probably the Rangers' number three prospect at this point, Sebastian Walcott, who is 17 years old, doesn't turn 18 until March because he was born in 2006. Good Lord. <laughs> Could be the next Jazz Chisholm, as in Bahamian absolute star in Major League Baseball. And, you know, he's 17 years old, but he finished the season in high A hickory. High A hickory basically his first professional year it it, was no not basically it was his first professional year started in the dominican summer league and then crushed it in rookie ball and then didn't have the best stats in hickory but showing that confidence in a 17 year old kid to jump him up to three levels in his first year absolutely insane level of confidence 46 games for him this year and 806 ops across all levels just absolutely sensational seven home runs as well by the way like just just not so this kid's ceiling is incredibly high and that's not to mention all the pitching prospects who do still have very high ceilings i'm still pretty high on a lot of these guys we'll we'll see what happens next year um brock porter's got a very high ceiling he's very far away jack leiter had a very encouraging last month of the season he ended the year in triple a which is great <laughs> just get out of frisco kid get all of those bad memories of of missing glove side a million times with the fastball out of his head and he, he was stopped doing that in the last month we'll see if he can continue to stop doing that next year and the stuff has never been in question and then we'll see what owen white looks like if his velocity comes back if he's still dealing with the neck injury next year um, i'm still thinking if he gets that velo back he is right back up there probably even fighting for an opening day spot in the starting rotation depending on what the rangers do in free agency not entirely sure and then there's still kumar rocker who i feel like everyone just kind of forgot about like he didn't have a sensational hickory debut last year or yeah this year whatever year it was the 386 era and six starts 28 innings 42 strikeouts to just seven walks the guy was crushing it and he was on the verge of a promotion to double a before he had to have tommy john surgery 
which is an absolute bummer given what he did in his first six starts. I'm very high on the kid. I still think he's got a very bright future. And I don't understand why people are already, you know, writing him off a whole lot. And another guy who I think is really going to be on a lot of radars, especially with what he's done in the Arizona Fall League, is Emiliano Teodo, a guy who has been a starter for almost the entirety of his minor league career, has been pitching out of the bullpen a little bit in the Arizona Fall League, has added a two-seamer. He's a guy who threw a 90-mile-an-hour curveball. I think that's down a little bit from being 90 miles an hour. It's more of a slider now. He also throws triple digits, and he could be in the Rangers' bullpen by opening day. I mean, probably not, because he still hasn't pitched above high A Hickory. I mean, the Arizona Fall League is a little bit above that, but he's having a sensational Fall League. He had a pretty darn good regular season, starting to look a little bit more consistent. But this team, again, like I said, this is just the beginning for this Texas Rangers squad. They are on the trajectory up, 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 up. And they've got a lot more guys along the way that are hungry to join this squad who is the reigning world who are the world series champions now the rangers award season got started or just major league baseball award season got started on sunday the rangers have three gold glove winners they had five finalists but only three of them ended up winning those guys are nathaniel lowe jonah heim and adolis garcia congratulations to all three of them i've said it a million times and i'll say it a million more the defensive improvement from nathaniel lowe this year was one of the most impressive things I think I've seen a major league baseball player do from year to year. Like it was just last year that he was pretty much universally the worst defensive first baseman in all of baseball. He was a silver slug like that, that, that year. And now he's a cold glove winner. Still not an all-star yet. Maybe that'll be year three or I guess year four. Yeah. Four with the Rangers will be all-star first year was fine. Second year, silver slugger, third year world series champion and gold glover and then let's see year four if that's if that's also he adds an all-star appearance to his collection and Os garcia very very deserving exceptional year from him defensively offensively in the playoffs just overall amazing year for dolas glad that he is finally getting his due recognition and jonah heim after being snubbed last year for not being a gold glove winner he wins it this year incredibly deserving exceptional defender one of the best defensive catchers in all of baseball that just does everything so well he's not the single best at any one thing but he is absolutely exceptional at everything throwing out runners calling games he might be the best game caller honestly for how much the rangers pitchers praise him so often that's the thing that's nearly impossible to quantify it's just kind of word of mouth and vibes kind of thing but blocking pitches framing pitches throwing out runners, controlling the running game, just everything that you would want from a backstop defensively. That's what Jonah Heim does. Also, he hits pretty darn well. He wasn't a finalist for the Silver Slugger. We'll figure out who those are, I think, either tonight or tomorrow, sometime in the next couple of days. We'll see how all that shakes out. I believe the Rangers have three guys that are up for finalists. I know that Simeon and Seager are both Silver Slugger finalists, as is Adolis Garcia. Pretty darn sure that all three of those guys should win, even if they don't. Who cares? The Rangers are World Series champions. But um, bummer that Marcus Simeon didn't win. Andres Jimenez of the Cleveland Guardians won at second base. And Anthony Volpe, the shortstop of the New York Yankees, the rookie, won at shortstop. So 
congratulations to Seeger and Simeon for being finalists. If you would have told me when Marcus Simeon signed that uh, Nathaniel Lowe would win a gold glove at his position before Marcus Simeon would at his while they're with the Texas Rangers, I would have slapped you right in the face and called you an absolute moron. But hey, baseball is funny that way. Congratulations, Nathaniel Lowe, to Adolfo Garcia, to Jonah Heim, and the World Series champion, Texas Rangers, who, like I said, are just getting started. Thank you all so much for listening and subscribing. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy World Series champion, Texas Ranger baseball.